This is Thoughts on the Table by DisgracesOnTheMenu.com. Hello and welcome back to Thoughts on the Table, the audio blog on food and food culture with Paul again and with a new guest today. Today with me from Australia is my friend Simon Pagotto. Hi, Simon. Hi, Paolo. How are you? I'm very good. It's very good to see you finally. Uh, Simon is a Facebook friend who started following my page and then started asking some questions. And I noticed that he was very interested in the type of things that I was talking about. And he was very competent on Italian food. And I uh, got curious. So uh, Simon has uh, an English name and an Italian last name. So I could guess he is of Italian origins. And then I found out that he's from Australia. So, you know, I got very curious. And then I asked him if he wanted to be on the podcast. And he said, yes. So here we are today. Very happy. So, Simon, uh, do you want to tell us something about you? How did you end up in Australia, first off? Okay. So, basically, Paolo, um, I've got two sets of nonni from the Veneto. So, basically, they came out um, here due to the war and basically poverty, Paolo. They, they had no money and they came searching for a dream like most of the migrants do to Australia. Uh, and one set came out in 1927 and the other set came out in 1933. Okay. Um, basically, how would you say it? They um, left the Veneto um, after another group of migrants had left in the late 1800s to a place called New Italy, just mm-hmm. on the northern um, northern area of New South Wales, which is the middle state on the east coast. Yeah, this is where you are. Yeah, so um, one set was from um, Santa Catarina, which, um, look, there's a million Santa Catarinas in in Italy, mm-hmm. but they're from basically uh, Louisiana, or it's between Marostica and um, Asiago. Oh, okay, okay, okay. And the other set came from um, near Treviso, a mm-hmm. place that, that no one's heard of called Bibano, and more specifically, Sud Bibano. <laughs> and when I visited there, um, mate, there's a bocce drone, mm-hmm. a cemetery, a bar. <laughs> And a football pitch or, or, or soccer pitch, <laughs> yes, as, as Australians and, as, and, a, and mm-hmm. Americans call. Well, probably a church too. Um, no. Funnily enough, they did. They were that small. They didn't even have a church. They didn't the, even have a church. The church, <laughs> the church you had to go about 10 minutes up the road to a place called Conigliano mm-hmm. or the Place of the Rabbits. Interesting. <laughs> so, yeah, so you, you mentioned Asiago, of course, uh, um, famous for the cheese, and then yep. Treviso, Radicchio di Treviso, uh, also very famous. So they came from the Veneto region around the 30s. These are your nonni. Uh, so yep. your father was born in Australia, which made yep. him first generation Italian-Australian, yep. and then you are second generation. <laughs> Got it. Yep, see. Si. I'm I'm about as Australian as they come too, so <laughs> if I say anything that's um slang Australian, and and my partner always kicks me when we're overseas and says speak English, not Australian, <laughs> and yes, there's a massive difference. Um, <laughs> it's uh, just just ask for clarification because sometimes I do I, I do go into that Australian what we call boganese. I don't know what that is. <laughs> Uh, uh, right, so basically, um, 
you have um, – they're not like hillbillies, but there's a group in Australia called Bogans that, um, mm. yeah, speak Ocker slang, drive big V8 four-wheeled cars and have this language all of their own. I see. I'll, when we're not doing this, I'll, I'll send you a couple of links and you can have a bit of a look <laughs> <Okay>. at it. <laughs> <laughs> I love your accent, by the way. Yeah, I, I don't get to talk to too many Australian people, but I, I find it really, really charming. So- oh, thanks, mate. It's something friendly about it as well. Um, so anyway, the reason why you're so interested in food and Italian food, of course, is clear, uh, your origins, but also uh, you work in the, in the food industry. So you had a trattoria, that's right, you were telling me, yep. uh, for many years, um, and then and now you run another food establishment. Uh, do you want to talk a little bit about, about your business? About business, sure. Well, basically... Um my background's not in food. Well, my background's in passion of food. Like I, I just, I, I, you know, it must be the Italian genes. <laughs> I used to be um, an electronics retailer. I used to sell, um, have a franchise selling TVs and videos and um, fridges, washing machines and all of that. Mm-hmm. And I did that and um, I loved it. And I got to eat at some great places, some very modern places. But after a while, I sort of had enough money that I wanted to live my dream, which was always to have a cafe or a, or a restaurant. And basically, my partner had the same sort of dream. And one day, I just woke up working 90 hours a week in the other job and had had enough. So I came home and we started up this little trattoria. Now, it was either going to be um, learn to be a chef Mm-hmm. And, and, and get paid no money mm-hmm. um, or just jump into our, it ourselves, learn what we both learnt already from our love of food and learn along the way and hopefully it would pay our way. So, mm-hmm. And which it didn't. We had the place for seven years, this trattoria, and at the start, look, it was reasonably Italian, mm-hmm. but as it grew and I learned more more about the food over the seven years, it became extremely authentic or traditional, you know? Mm, I, I actually had a chicken pasta dish on the menu for 12 months at oh. one stage, <laughs> which um, I basically then got copped a bit of flack one day from someone and um, thought I'd better do some serious research so I didn't mm. look like an idiot and um, took it off the menu. And I lost a couple of customers for yeah. it. Um, the food in there was always using, in principle, the best ingredients, the freshest ingredients mm-hmm. and minimal ingredients. Right. And, yeah, over the seven years, you know, I sort of learned that the least the better. And um, it culminated in 2014 on a, on, a, on a trip to Italy where we actually did reasonably top to bottom. I mean, we didn't mm-hmm. get too far into Calabria. That's about as south as we got. Mm-hmm. But we came over the mountains from France through Piedmonte, um, up up through learning about all the food through um, Milan up mm-hmm, to Swiss mm-hmm. and sort of tasted the cheese and back down the Brenner Pass as we've talked about tasting the Tyrolese food and nice. spent a whole two weeks in the Veneto, mm-hmm. um, really exploring that area and where my relatives came from. Obviously, yep. it was actually three weeks. Then we um, had a couple of days in Venice threw down into um, Tuscany for another week. And, yeah, it was a long trip. It was too long in the end. Um, Mm. Then we ended up south, you know, and out the back of Campania, through Napoli just for pizza. You know, you (laughs) haven't eaten pizza, they say, till you've eaten it in Napoli. 
and then back up to Rome to enjoy all their speciality. So it was it was two months in Italy, and it was probably too much. I had a bit <laughs> of enough. And um, yeah. funnily enough, you, you know yourself, Paolo, when you grow up um, eating in Canada and 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 Australia, mm-hmm. you got a lot more of the world's food. You know, right. like. I eat Italian meal once a day or sometimes twice a day, mm-hmm. but it's not all day, every day. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So mm-hmm. it gets a bit stale for someone yeah. with a different pace. So, you know. I understand. Crucify me, but I always <laughs> tend to, um, when I'm in Rome, mm-hmm. have a Chinese meal for lunch and then an Indian meal for dinner before I hit on the local specialties. <laughs> Just to basically adjust my palate and get rid of the taste of Campania out of my mouth because otherwise I don't – for someone like us, and I'm, I'm, I'm not 100% sure you're the same, we um, need that different taste across our palates or you, if I eat the same thing, I don't enjoy it too much mm. and I think that's where I'll – I could probably never be an Italian. I, I, I'd struggle to live in a in a small country town in Italy <laughs> without doing the Runda Marostica or the yes. Runda Bassano to get a little bit of Chinese or Mexican just to have that <laughs> well, something just a little bit different. Yeah, we, we should probably point out that, you know, in Italy there's not much food that is not Italian, right? In the big cities uh, have it, uh, and then yeah. it's funny they use it as a, as a cleanser. <laughs> palate refresher, palate adjuster. Right? Adjuster, Absolutely. because otherwise it's all about, about the same type of uh, flavor profile, even though Absolutely. it does change quite a bit from region to region. But if you're traveling like you did, gradually go down, yeah, you yeah. probably feel find yep. that it evolves very slowly, it changes very slowly. And instead, you know, in, in Australia, in Canada too, of course, in the United States, very much the question is, what kind of restaurants do you want to go tonight? Like, what cuisine? Yeah. Uh, which is something that my dad never wonders. Like, if you're going to go out to a restaurant, which restaurants do you go? He would answer, a good one. I would go to yeah. a good restaurant or to a fish restaurant or to, I don't know, a, a meat restaurant, but not to another culture's restaurants, right? I love what you did because um, through running your own trattoria, you got closer to your origins in a way. You started researching food even more and then you traveled. So that's that's a, an interesting path that I don't see very often because... When I, when I go to uh, Italian restaurants here in Vancouver uh, that have been open for uh, 50 years, like second, third generation um, uh, restaurants, I don't see that um, research anymore. Uh, it has become, you know, Italian-American food. And uh, uh, some are very good, some are not, but definitely is not the food that I'm used to from coming from Italy 15 years ago and going back frequently, very, very frequently. So, yeah, they, they are different. What I do see is, of course, new restaurants from new uh, restaurateurs who have just opened a restaurant. Um which, you know, remain very traditional because they don't know otherwise. They remain very uh, continental Italian, as I say. Uh, but then they have to deal with adjusting to the local palate and uh, with the expectation of people, right? But I've never seen the opposite of somebody who takes a dish off the menu because it's not traditional Italian, like a chicken pasta, and then deals with the customers after that. So that, that's oh, really look- cool. 
it, it, it was something, mate. I, I, I did a couple of things like that. There was a few little things I did that I adjusted that some of them just went, but I'm happy to pay you for it. I'll pay you more for it. And it's like, oh, I can't, I can't. When I've got the traditionale yeah. under the logo, I can't put that on there, you nice. know. So yeah. I, I, I still even struggle now. It's like, you know, mm. it's not even the good quality pancetta or guanciale. It's not even good quality Australian dry done bacon. Mm -hmm. It's mass produced brine bacon. Mm -hmm. And I make a boschiola or a bacon mushroom mm -hmm. with local mushroom sauce And the first question is, oh, how much to add chicken? Mm. <laughs> Now, uh. I don't add chicken. I don't even have it. I don't even keep it. And um, it was just to that point where they basically turned around and I went and asked them afterwards. And they said, oh, that doesn't need it. was such a great bacon flavor, you know. And um, mm -hmm. But that point of they still want to ask for it. Now, I must stress, I wasn't making that cheap bacon pasta in the trattoria. That's in the new place that, oh, okay. um, <laughs> that we're talking about, which is make basically like a diner style of food. Mm, I mean, okay, I get it. It's not advertised as traditional classic Italian anymore, it's, you know, Australian food. Yeah, yeah, it's not even, you know, I put two pastas on the yeah, menu. Sure. And um, they love them, even though I'm pre-cooking the pasta because you have to understand in this place it's not set up to do Italian food, so there's no mm -hmm. big dunk um, pasta cookers. I cook pasta in a pot not much bigger than this. Mm -hmm. So I basically pre-cook it and then warm it up in the sauce. Now, absolute sins, but when I'm trying to put out um, – to give you an idea, last night we had a very busy night mm -hmm. and we put out um, – In a small kitchen with three people, we put out basically um, 70 meals in 60 minutes. Oh, yeah. That's a lot of food. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I understand. And a lot of Italian restaurants do the same thing. Uh, I know yeah. for a fact. It's not even a, yeah. a shortcut in the sense that if it's done properly, it yields still a pretty good result. It's not the same result that you can obtain by you know yeah. doing it to order, uh, but you can approximate that if you know what you're doing. Yeah, and as long as you give it a good drink in that sauce and you don't yeah. pre-cook it too much, yeah, yeah, yeah. it works for pasta seca. Yeah. I mean, you could never, ever do it for pasta fresca. Fresca, no, no, no. It would just be abuse, you know? Yeah. But um, on Friday night, for example, I'm doing handmade arancini, uh, fungi ripiani, mm -hmm. the stuffed mushrooms, and that the handmade sort of Italian and charging very good money for it, mm -hmm. and they're getting three little antipasties on the plate where they can get a big bowl of pasta for the same amount. So I'm coming around in the new place and gradually changing them, but um, the people that, that, that eat in this place and no heart on them, I'm not having a go at them, I'm just trying to describe the customer, mm -hmm. My partner makes up a beautiful um, dressing with a great olive oil and um, a great vinegar, um, more a French style with a little bit of mustard in it, mm -hmm. um, a great vinaigrette for the salad, but we keep getting asked for the Italian dressing in the bottle. <laughs> You know, the one that's a little bit sweet and as you and I both know, no no there's no such thing as the an 
Italian yes. vinaigrette or dressing. It's a bit of olive oil, vinegar, salt, and pepper. You help yourself. Yes, the, the yes, French do all... vinaigrettes. That's why they're <laughs> true. Vinaigrettes. <laughs> true. There's no such thing as Italian dressing. Let's state it very, Correct. very clear. Um, it's not that we just call it dressing. No, there's no dressing. There is olive oil and vinegar, often not balsamic. We should also point that out. Vinegar, uh, the non-balsamic version, it's got more acidity, and uh, it's what you need on a, on a salad oftentimes. The really good balsamic vinegar um, is reserved for different preparations, more delicate. So it's, it's a different thing. Balsamic vinegar is something really precious that we don't just throw on a salad, um, but, but certainly uh, <laughs> has become the, um, the standard for vinegar in, in North America. It's the in thing. Look, it's and, and mm-hmm. may I say it's wasted on me, balsamic vinegar. I much prefer just a nice red wine vinegar. Yeah, it, yeah. It's, um, that I, I'm not that big on the sweetness of balsamic. Right. I'm, I'm that sort of the agro dolce thing. Mm-hmm. I'm not a big fan of it. Yeah, it's different. And uh, often it's not authentic as well. Like unless you pay, you know, $40 for a small bottle, um, what you're buying is something that uh, contains, um, you know, thickeners and caramel. Caramel. Yes. So really, uh, at that point, I would <laughs> rather have um, some real vinegar. So, yeah, so that's something that we should say. So, yes, as an Italian here in Vancouver, I was struggling a lot with uh, adaptations and approximations of Italian food that is called like that on the menu, uh, mostly for advertisement, because it seemed to be trendy. Um, and then, uh, you know, it wasn't living up to my expectations because, you know, you call it like that, then you serve it to me and it, it doesn't quite hit the mark. Um, for instance, a lot of sauce, like three times the amount of sauce that I would expect on yep. past. I have to fish out the, the little macaroni and um, also the amount of pasta, like Playfuls, uh, probably um, half a kilogram uh, per person. <laughs> no, maybe not, but two fifty for sure. And uh, yeah. in my family, eighty grams uh, maximum. I do even sixty. So that's really a lot of pasta, which turns itself into something that is a main as opposed to being a first course. And it's something that, by the way, becomes too much of the same and really you can't finish. And then people ask it for it to go and it goes into doggy bags. And can you imagine it's already overcooked to begin with? The next day is going to be a block of solid something that you take out of your fridge, that's, that's to me, um, you know, inedible at that point. So I was struggling a lot initially. <laughs> yeah. Look, I'm, gu- I'm guilty, mate. Like growing up, you know, you said you could have too much of that spaghetti, mm. like my nonna's pasta. Yeah. I-, I could just, when I was a little kid, you know, probably five through to 15, I would eat plates of it, mate. And that's <laughs> that Australian thing. You have that sauce of your nonna's, you know, and everybody's nonna makes the best sauce. Oh, yes. Best sugo, don't they? You know, but as I've got older, it's that thing. I, I just, I can't eat it like I used to, you know, yeah. and. I'm guilty of the biggest Australian sin, okay, Mm -hmm. of eating pasta. And that is the next day having cold pasta on a sandwich. Ooh, <laughs> that's, that's hardcore. <laughs> so, uh, I mean, that's a, bit of, a little bit of good parmigiano over the top of pecorino, you know, to nullify it. But, yes, that, that's the Australian in me. I'm guilty yeah, as charged. But don't let the Italians <laughs> know because they might throw me in jail the next time I go. 
<laughs> well, there are things you can do with leftover pasta, like you can turn it into a baked pasta. Yeah, timbale. Yeah, or you can even put in a frittata, uh, something they do in Naples. They do a frittata with spaghetti in it. Um, but if it's with sauce, then at that point, I don't think you can eat it the next day, personally. Uh, I wouldn't, I wouldn't yeah, serve so that. Yeah, that, mm. and that. And that's where that little Aussie kid, mate, like you're, <laughs> you're gonna, the little Aussie Italian kid will argue with you all day. <laughs> now, now this the old Italian man you know you're right like yeah. yeah I don't do the cold pasta I'm a little Italian kid just add more cheese none of the sandwich is good <laughs> I'm doing not tomorrow, but next Monday mm-hmm. at a local school a talk on food. Awesome! And you were just you were just to, and and actually doing demonstrations. And I've been thinking, you know, what should I do, and how should I do it, and how should I approach it? You know, I've been extremely um, venomant mm. as you were talking about that sort of thing. I think with the rules of Italian food as opposed to in the spirit of Italian food. Mm-hmm. I think if, if I use this rules too much in Australia, I tend to lose people. Yes, and I'm sure you're, you're a bit the same with, with Canadians. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, you know, I can't have that, blah, blah, blah. Why should I bother? So I'm more trying to get into into the spirit of Italian food. You mm-hmm. know, it's like um, I think I'm going to do the history that day of Roman pasta. Mm. You know, so start with the cacio e pepe mm-hmm. and then tell them about the progression to the guiccia with the guanciale and the pecorino mm-hmm. and then out to the triangle, you know, where you add an egg for the carbonara yeah. or tomato for the amachichana. Mm. So basically to cook an Australian, uh, one of those dishes, the guiccia down with the guanciale, mm-hmm. they are going to look at that guanciale that I show them and go, it's just fat. That's just fat. How you can't eat that. We're all about lean. It's got to be lean. Yeah. So I think I'm going to show them the difference between the guanciale, the pancetta, mm-hmm. and then a very good local dry smoked bacon. Mm-hmm. So sometimes for these more, I um, not softer palates of the Australians, but more they haven't had it, sure. I hate to say uneducated, but that's what it is, mm-hmm. that sometimes to get them to eat the dry smoked bacon, but the best quality dry smoked bacon mm-hmm. with their cabanara and egg and pecorino yeah. is better than the matting cream to it. Yes. <laughs> does that sort of make sense? It does, yeah. So, so as opposed to having that rule where it has to be guanciale, that's the only thing you can make a carbonara with. I am with you. I, I just get them onto the good smoked bacon mm-hmm. so they're getting that good taste, you know, yeah, and yeah. then they have the pecorino and then it's in the spirit of the Italian cuisine Yeah, and we can gradually move them along to mm-hmm. eating guanciale with it. Or, um, you know, the spaghetti bolognese mm-hmm. <laughs> in my country. <laughs> I mean, to only 18 months ago, Paolo, that yeah. was Australia's national dish. <laughs> yes, it's rate, it was rated until about 13, 14 months ago as spaghetti bolognese, yeah. or as the Australians call it, spag bowl, mate. So if you can just <laughs> I imagine. <heard> that. <laughs> 
S P A G Spag Spag B O L Spag mm. Bowl. You even get now Spag Bog. What are we having for dinner, Mum? Oh, Spag Bog, mate. Is that all right? <laughs> <laughs> That's a bit of bogan for you there, mate. Remember the Spag Bog? <laughs> yeah. So we should clarify that uh, traditionally uh, in Bologna, which what Bolognese refers to, they do tagliatelle, which is a type of egg pasta. You know, they yep. have the little stripes, the little ribbons, okay? Um, and uh, spaghetti instead are a durum pasta, no eggs, from central and southern Italy. Yep. So it's technically a mix between two regions and not something that could, could exist in, uh, in, in nature. <laughs> Except yeah, that, that it does yep. exist. It's just outside of those regions, um, also in Italy. I grew up in Milan, and in Milan, you can have some spaghetti bolognese. Question to you. In Milan, was it written the French way of spaghetti bolognese with an A-I-S-E when you ate it? No. When, or you saw it, or was it bolognese? In Italian, yes, bolognese. Yes. So, so basically, in Australia, it's written B-O-L... Mm-hmm. O-G-N-A-I-S-E. Oh, okay, the French way. Like the French yeah, way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so it's that double whammy of us. And I don't know, did, did you study that history of how it came to get around the world through the hotel chains with the spaghetti bolognese? I actually don't know the story, no. Oh, look, we can leave that to another day or yeah, I can leave you to research it yourself. But um, mm-hmm. basically an Englishman who liked spaghetti more than he liked fettuccine, but loved the bolognese, yeah, and he not? owned a group of hotels. I <laughs> yeah. can't remember. It might have been one of the – it was a big chain. So he introduced it as spaghetti bolognese mm-hmm. in England, and then it just spread throughout all these hotel chains around the world. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, there's technically nothing wrong uh, flavor-wise. The flavor of an egg pasta, of a fresh egg pasta – goes really well with the bolognese, which is the meat sauce. Mm. And another famous dish is, of course, lasagna, which uh, yep. has the same exact pairing of an egg-based um, pasta sheet, which is, you know, again, with meat sauce and bechamel. Um, but then, of course, um, you can have another style of pasta, which has nothing to do with what they do in Bologna, which uses spaghetti, which is uh, a pasta originally from the south, but now available in boxes everywhere in Italy and outside of Italy. So, like my mother, I don't think I ever bothered uh, to kind of know the original difference. It doesn't taste as good, but it tastes good still, especially if you make a very mm. good bolognese sauce. So, here it goes. Um, but the problem there is that I think... Um, when it gets outside of Italy, uh, other things uh, start to be lost in translation. So, like the amounts, as we were saying, the quantity of the sauce, it becomes disproportionate. I've saw it being served with the meat all on one side of the plate. Left-hand side, meat. Right-hand side, like a side, like rice, or something like that, mountain of pasta. Uh, yes, which dries and sticks to itself. Uh, <laughs> I know. And then um, the pasta itself is not cooked properly. It's overcooked and not cooked in salty water or not salty enough. So it's tasteless and bland and, uh, and really, really without texture. So this is... The problem that I have with spag ball, <laughs> not really that you're using spaghetti and bolognese sauce, but anyway. So you're saying that that was the national Australian dish? Yeah, <laughs> that's interesting. Are you gonna? You're going to ask me what the new one is? Yes. What is it? <laughs> Tacos. <laughs> 
that's the number one. And mate, I'm not talking good quality tacos yeah, like know. you know from from Southern America mm-hmm. or um or Mexico. Mm-hmm. We're talking old El Paso, yeah. hard shells. You buy the seasoning in the packet for the. <laughs> You call it ground beef in America. Yeah. We call it mince. Um, and you buy the salsa in a little sachet that comes in the box as well. Oh. Um, so you're saying Australia, not much of, you know, a foodie country? Well, it is changing, changing. a lot. Mm. Because we've got a lot of immigrants, we're really um, – and we've got a lot of area to grow farming-wise mm-hmm. – um, We're basically um, really starting to come along with some of our food. But where where someone like you or I would use the quality produce in a um, traditional dish and do minimal to it, mm-hmm. the modern cuisine in Australia is, is almost second to none because we don't have yep. a tradition. <laughs> so, you know, they more sort of want to make the food upright, look very good that yeah. that's the focus i mean mm-hmm. i'm sure you've seen that you know in where you come from and yeah. that there's there's some extremely good um in, you know they rank the world's 50 top restaurants mm-hmm. um across the world i think australia um quite often has one up mm-hmm. up in the top 20 and then one or two more in the in towards the bottom mm-hmm. so We, we are recognized, but for a long time, you've got to realize we're like America. We do have an English background. That's mm-hmm. where everyone comes from. So until probably 40 years ago, people, when they go out, would eat a roast meat, right. smothered in gravy or roast pork and applesauce <laughs> <laughs> with, um, say, a steak or um, – Or chips in the side and vegetables, and the vegetables would normally be cooked so hard that they were falling apart. <laughs> um, and the salad would have things like beetroot and sweet stuff in it, you know. Yeah, so, yeah. you know, so the Italians open restaurants, the Chinese people open mm-hmm. restaurants, and the Thais, and yeah, it's just some really good food coming through here now. So, it's yeah. um. The problem I have, though, is not a lot of it's traditional. It tends to be that, like we were talking about, modern food. But, yeah. for example, there are 20 Italian restaurants in Australia mm-hmm. that are actually recognized by the L'Accademia della Cucina. Oh, nice. So, for actually doing what they should be doing and having it. So, we do – you can find that. I mean – The region I come from here is renowned for having the best beef in the world, mm-hmm. you know, better than the Chiana and Fiorentina mm-hmm. um, and better than the South American cows. Mm-hmm. And I think that's because we have every breed of cow here. We have Chiana. We have that. So you can sort of choose and most of it is all grass-fed. Um, we have beautiful ingredients, but our fruit, our, our supermarkets in Australia are a lot of the market. They sit fruit and veg in cold storage. They yeah. pump gas into their um, meat packs so they last longer, which changes the flavor. Yeah. So, mate, there is a little bit of um, change and there's a growing – there's a much growing area, like especially in my area, for we have four or five food and wine festivals. Oh, nice. Not only that, but what will also blow you out is 25 kilometers from here, mm-hmm. they make buffalo milk mozzarella. That's awesome. Luca, 
Luca and Silvano, both so Italians, in, yeah, make that awesome burrata as well. Um, yeah. beautiful burrata, it's so creamy and moist. And mate, that's 25 kilometers or about 18 miles from where I mm. live in Australia in an extremely hot climate. <laughs> and um, yeah, so they're the fourth producers of buffalo milk mozzarella in Australia. You talk about, you know, dressing pasta with a truckload of sauce, you know, because yeah. they want the big taste. They think more is better. I mean, I had a carbonara in a place called La Machichana del 1870. Mm-hmm. So it's in Rome. Um, they've been there since 1870. Yeah. But basically after talking to this gentleman, basically they don't use the whole egg. They just use the yolk. Mm-hmm. Um, and the guanciale and pecorino cheese. I mean, you'd be sick if you ate it that rich, you know. But yeah, yeah, So yeah. you've got to tell them the sauce has to be bigger. The sauce has to be so on point and just watered down with a little bit of pasta water so it just coats to the mm-hmm. noodles and off you go, you know. Um, Gritcha, which is where the carbonara and amatriciana are bought for. A Gritcha mm-hmm. is a um, amatriciana bianca. <laughs> always has pasta water in it. And that is basically the starchiness making the fat of the guanciale into the sauce, you know? So mm-hmm. there's just something about it that makes it, that just changes the whole sauce, the whole structure. Yes, absolutely. And finishing it in the sauce is also extremely important. I think pasta seca you should finish in the sauce, but I don't know too much about the fresca, mate. I, I'm still... I'd love to hear your opinion on that because, for me, fresh pasta could, should be light and delicate and fluffy. And when, to put it in that 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 sauce for another two minutes or a minute, like pasta seconds, it, it, it's too long. It, yeah. it, it, it and it's too delicate. It, it, I'm not a big fan of pasta fresca, even though for the first three years of my restaurant, mm-hmm. of my first trattoria. It was all about pasta fresca, and, and and I think I might have eaten myself a little bit sick on it. To be honest <laughs> with you, I uh, I like the al dente, and mm. and I could never work out why the fresh noodle should never go with a tomato sauce or an acidic sauce. Yeah, I know that's a. Uh... You have a point there. I think we should also clarify something that, okay, restaurants often serve fresh pasta because it's more glamorous. It looks better on the yes. menu. Um, and handmade pasta is often fresh and sometimes egg-based. It's got more flavor, but you're right. It's very delicate. Uh, you cannot um, really finish in the sauce for too long or it overcooks. This is pasta that cooks in, uh, you know, two, three minutes Top. Oh, mate, I, I, I would say if you're talking fettuccine yeah. in a rolling big pot, you know, yeah. with a massive amount, I, I did a lot of that cooking. It's basically if you talk the thin spaghetti, yeah. 30 seconds it'll come oh, to the yeah. top. If you talk about fettuccine, it's about a minute and 30 and it comes to the top. If it's overcrowded, mm-hmm. it may take up to three minutes. A little bit longer. But, yeah, yeah. I, I've, I've thrown a lot of – um. 150 gram serves of fresh pasta into a pot. <laughs> you know that. <laughs> over my time, and mate, yeah, it's about a minute and 30 seconds for the spaghetti. Yeah. When you dump the fresh spaghetti in, mate, I used to actually hand roll it for mm-hmm. each serve of pasta that went out. Wow. 
So just before the sauce was made, yeah, yeah, yeah. I would chop it off, roll it up, and do it. Sorry to interrupt. No, 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 it's okay. So yes, um, so fresh pasta is something that you find often on restaurants' menus, and uh, um, yeah, it's got good flavor if you if you treat it well and you you dedicate with it um, with the sauce as well, um, you get a very good dish. But there is a place for um, dried pasta, and it's very prevalent in Italian cuisine even high cuisine. Obviously, you use very high-quality dry pasta yep. from prestigious brands. And yep. uh, it's a pasta with more structure that lends itself yep. to, uh, you know, uh, more texture. Um, like, I'm I'm sure that the best uh, fettuccine with seafood I had were, were actually linguine or fettuccine were, were dried. Um, yep. this, this is where, you know, and that pasta, yeah, it can... I'm finding that now that I cook more always can use finishing in the sauce and having uh, bringing some of its moistures with itself uh, in yep. the sauce to bring the starch and hold it together. There's a very starchy pasta. Fresh pasta is not as starchy as well. Yeah. And that's why that fresh pasta, you know, shouldn't with seafood, again, you know, you're putting no. either a bit of lemony or white wine in it. Maybe not white wine. I might get in trouble for saying that. But, no, yeah, you, you know, you're, you're dressing it with acidic stuff. And it doesn't so work. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't work because yeah. it breaks the pasta down. It's like what I was alluding to before. The fresh pasta is no going tomato sauce. Interesting. Because You're right. As as soon as that acidity, mm-hmm. and especially Australians and Canadians and Americans, we want to add garlic to that tomato sauce. We <laughs> yeah. want to add a lot of garlic to that tomato <laughs> sauce. I'm just as guilty, mate. I I love aglio. I love. Yeah, I it's good, but it, you know, and it's. When you put the acidic tomato with the garlic and onion with fresh pasta, it breaks it down really quickly on the plate and you can see it happening. And I couldn't work out what it was until I read a book um, by a lady called Machella Hazan. Of course. And I don't know if you know of her, but she's one of those beautiful transitions between America and Italy. Yeah. she explains why it happens, and it's basically the acidity makes the pasta lucid, and it starts to break it all down. So you end up with this over in overcooked, mm-hmm. for lack of better words, pasta on your plate after you've had three mouthfuls. Interesting. Yeah, I never really uh, investigated what is the chemistry behind it. Uh, Marcella Zan is very much uh, the Italian uh, equivalent of uh, Julia Child. It's uh, somebody who contributed to making Italian food famous in, uh, in North America uh, and around the world. Uh, yeah, so it's one of those pillars. I will definitely link it and put the reference in the, in the podcast episode so people will be able to look it up if they want to. Uh, Simon, we've been talking for quite a long time, of course. <laughs> so it was fantastic talking with you. Uh, I have a feeling that we could talk for much longer. So maybe why don't we do this? We organize for another one when you have time and we tackle a specific topic. We can just talk about one thing uh, and I think uh, it will be amazing. <laughs> so again, oh, that's great. I've had a fantastic time. Thanks for having me, mate. We should do this again in a month or so, you know, for sure. or when you have time to slot me in because... Like yourself, Paolo, I can talk about it all day and I love talking about it. (laughs) Awesome, Simon. Have a fantastic day there. Have a good Sunday. I will. You too, mate. Have a great weekend and thanks again, Paolo. Bye-bye. Talk soon. Take care. Ciao, Miko. Ciao, ciao, caro.